What's up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Mid Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Al Hudson, and today's episode is called Till Debt Do Us Part. It's episode 8 of 17 in season 1. And in this episode, I will expose myself on all of the things I couldn't afford but bought anyways. We survived and now we thrive. There's actually a TikTok trend right now, obviously, and there's two pictures in the trend. So the first one is like a current one of them, and the caption is, things I ate and survived. And then it switches to the next photo, and it's usually the person as like a toddler or like a young kid, and they're showing off like an outfit or a zesty pose or maybe like a 1990s or early 2000s hairstyle that they freaking slayed. And it's a pretty funny trend, but I don't totally know what eight means. Like the Gen Zs use it all the time. And of course, my mind went into the gutter with that. And in my brain, it's something maybe a little bit perverted. But actually, let's just look it up one second. Because I hope it's not what I think it is. And I'm probably wrong, but I'll just Google it. What does eight mean in slang? First things first, the word eight on TikTok has nothing to do with eating. The slang term eight on the social media app has the same meaning found in Urban Dictionary. It's the common term used to describe someone doing a great job at something. Okay. If you ate something, it means you executed it extremely well. Okay, so there you have it. There's a little information for you today. And yeah, for a long time, I think because Ben and I got married so young, pretty much from the start, we have been in debt. It hasn't always been something that we were okay with, but I think because we started out our lives that way, that we sort of did become okay with it. I don't know if that makes any sense. And for a long time, I blamed the church. Like, we would pay tithing. That's 10% of our income. We literally barely made any income, so that seemed stupid. I blamed Ben's education for a long time because he did seven years of school. And I also, in most recent years, I blamed him for starting the office. Um, and after some real soul searching, after getting scammed a couple weeks ago on Instagram, it turns out I am actually the common denominator in every situation. So I've come to realize that when it comes to our financial struggles, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. She's a mom just like you. Trying to get through Working kids and relationships And money and sex and other things too. I could be wrong But I think you'll get along So have some fun Come hang with the man mom There's three things that I feel like should be talked about a lot more often than they actually are and that is money, sex, and death. So in the spirit of oversharing, here's a list of things we bought and couldn't afford. Number one, our third house. 
In June 2006, right after we found out I was pregnant with the twins, I was working as an ortho assistant throughout that summer to make sure I would get another year of mat leave, which now I'm wondering if I maybe should have got double because there was two babies to take care of, as if that would ever happen, but I just thought of that. Twins is no joke, though, you guys, like double diapers, double formula, doubled literally everything. But those things freaking wrecked us. So I nursed them full time for three months and wanted to die. I'm really not even being that dramatic when I say that. Like, it was so exhausting. And then when they were three months old, I cut it in half. So they were getting three bottles a day and I would nurse them three times a day. And then after that, at the six month mark, I was like, I can't do this anymore. So I cut it to zero times a day of me nursing them and we fed them formula. That only lasted for one month because it was really friggin' expensive And we were blowing through that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, we need to do something different. So I literally put them on cow's milk when they were seven months old. And obviously, they're thriving. They're doing just fine. But like we bought four jugs of milk every time we went to the store, which is insane. It's kind of like how we're living now, though, with everyone drinking their protein shakes that make me crazy. But I really had no other option. Like, Ben still had two more years of law school when they were born. So he worked as a garbage man in the summer and then worked at Blockbuster Video part-time at nights. We shared a Corolla I bought when I was fresh out of college. And obviously, we were going to need a bigger vehicle and probably another vehicle at the time the twins arrived. And there was just a lot of expenses that were going to come up for us. And neither of us had a job. So we were very used to living off of loans and whatever the government was offering, like child tax credits or benefits. And then, of course, mat leave, which is super lame. Like, I do not recommend DNR living like that, it was really, really stressful. And so with that house that we could not afford, that we got approved for because I got a letter from my boss, and I think Ben must have got a letter from the city saying he was a worker there in the summer, we did end up getting approved for a half a million dollar house when neither of us had a job. So figure that out, but we really full sent on that. And the week before we took possession... I guess there was a little tiff between the plumber that was working on our house and his boss. And the plumber chose to not crimp something in the primary bathroom, which was above our kitchen and our nook. So everything flooded the week before we got our brand new custom built home that we were really excited to move into because... I decided that we needed more space. Like, I feel like I really forced it. And looking back now, I'm like, I knew we couldn't afford that. I knew it was a mistake at the time. And I did it anyways, which was so dumb. We took possession to a renovated 
brand new home. And I was not happy about it. I felt very stressed out. I actually felt quite sick about it because I knew we couldn't afford this house that we'd taken on. And just the whole thing was kind of a nightmare. So we sold that house to hopefully make money to pay off all the debt we had accumulated. And when we bought this house we live in now, we were only planning on living here for about three to five years. I was like, let's renovate it. It'll look so cool. We can do that like as soon as we move in. However, we had to drop the price on our Silverado house to move into this one so that we didn't have to carry two mortgages. But now looking, I'm like, we would have been smarter carrying two mortgages for a few months and making enough to cover the costs of what we wanted to do to this house. But regardless, we didn't. And I mean, now it's fully renovated, but it took years to do because of that. So I've only recently started to love this house and we've lived in it for 10 years, which was not the original plan. But that's just how things worked when, when you don't know what you're doing. And maybe nobody knows what they're doing. I'm probably the only one that has no real life like plan or anything. Like I always just kind of banked on things working out because I really genuinely 100% thought we were doing all the right things based on everything we'd been taught. So were they great choices? No, absolutely not. But regardless, we're moving on. I'm over all of these things. And I think that's why I can talk about them openly and freely. Like if we were still dealing with feeling all the stress and anxiety that comes with living in debt for so long, there's no way I'd be able to talk about it on a podcast that anyone can listen to. So another thing we bought and couldn't afford was Ben's truck. And that was in July 2016, about six or seven months after he quit his job at a national law firm that was very well paying and that had great benefits. Like we had dental, we had prescription, we had glasses, all of the things that come with having a nice secure job. And at the end of 2015, he came to me and said, I want to quit my job and start my own law firm. I want my own practice. I want to do things differently. I want to not bill by the hour. I feel like that's such a backwards philosophy. And of course, me being addicted to the next thing I think that comes with my possibility of having ADHD that I will probably never get tested for. And I have my reasons. I was fully on board with him quitting his job. And that was three years after we moved into this house. And little did I know, starting your own business is actually really difficult. Like he left his law firm job and didn't take any clients with him. I think the first check he got was for like $250 plus GST. So whatever that was, I want to say $276. I'm going to have to check with him on that. And I think 
within the next year, he would have been made partner, maybe the next two years. But I could sense his frustration and I'm all about full sending. So let's go. I support you. I trust you. Let's do it. Was kind of my thinking. And there were for sure moments that I would have taken that back and that I wished he'd just stayed at the consistent paycheck of his previous law firm job. But that's hindsight. And hindsight doesn't count. So back to the truck that we bought on an eight-year financing loan. Okay, so I don't know how many months eight years is. It's a lot. Biweekly payments. We needed the smallest payment possible. And I honestly still don't even know how we got approved for that truck. But we did. And we couldn't afford it. And the day after he brought it home, both of our vehicles were on the driveway. I was at the time driving a Yukon XL so I could fit all my babies and carpooling and all that groceries. Because at one point we also had three car seats and that was just pure madness. But whatever, that has nothing to do with the story. But yeah, we'd just gotten home from the lake. Both our cars were on the driveway And there's this storm warning that we're not too concerned about because according to the radar, it looked like it was going to bypass our area of where we live. We were incorrect and we started to hear hail falling. And I was like, oh, it's just small. It'll be fine. Seconds later, it starts to just get louder and louder and the sound against the windows in the house or like the siding just got more and more intense. And so, of course, we panicked and we're trying to move his brand new truck into our garage. But our garage was full of crap, like bikes and just random stuff all over the place. We had an old couch in there that I've since gotten recovered, but there was not any space to pull the truck into. And we ran out to the garage to try to make room were literally throwing things from one side of the garage to the other and we're trying to cover up the truck with blankets. Blankets don't help in a hailstorm, okay? Like, let it be known. There's nothing you can do except for freaking take cover. So what we should have done is drive to like a gas station Or the Home Depot, you know, where like the workers get to park and go in like their entrance and exit for the construction guys. There's a full like canopy. I don't know what to call it where you park under. And I should have just gone there. We would have had time. Again, hindsight is 2020. And I hate stupid sayings like that, but they're kind of true. So I'm going to say it. And insurance covered the damage of our truck. But let me tell you, us finding a way to come up with that $1,000 deductible to fix our house and cars after that hailstorm was so hard. Like, we didn't have it. We had nothing extra. We were stretching as it was just to get this truck starting the new business. We were not very far into it. And... We didn't have much savings because of the first few months, we really dipped into that. So 
we just started using credit cards. And we were used to being in debt because early in our marriage, when we started having kids, we had no steady, reliable income coming in. So we used loans a lot. We used a line of credit. And it really wasn't the smartest thing we could have been doing. Um, I googled ways to become and then the next word you know that Google fills out for you was like rich, a millionaire, all this stuff like automatically. I clicked on the millionaire one. So here are six steps to become a millionaire by the age of 30, which I have surpassed, but I'm going to read it to you anyways. This article is from Investopedia. Number one, start saving early. The easiest way to build your savings is to start early. Doing so lets you take advantage of the power of compounding. Let's say you're 20 years old, you contribute $6,000 to an IRA every year. So that's $500 a month for 40 years. Your total investment would be $240. But because of the power of compounding, your investment would grow into more than $1.3 million, assuming a 7% return. And you'd be a millionaire by age 57, just saving $500 a month. Number two, avoid unnecessary spending and debt. Stop buying things you don't need. I cannot stress this enough. This was my own voice, not the article talking. Please stop buying things you don't need. You don't need it. I can assure you it will not help. One hack I used to do is I would go to HomeSense and shop fill up my cart. I think I learned it on the Marilyn Dennis show or something. They had someone say, go shopping, fill up your cart and leave without paying. Leave the cart at the front of the store and just walk away. You kind of get the rush of shopping without the torment and despair of going over that week's budget or putting more on your credit card and wondering if it's even going to say approved. So I cannot stress number two enough, avoid unnecessary spending and debt. Then another thing I've started doing or I try not to do is that I really try hard to no longer disassociate and splurge at HomeSense a few times a month because Usually I would come home after doing that with so much stuff that I didn't need, things I probably couldn't afford, and also things that I have nowhere to even put in my house, but that I really liked. So then I'm dealing with shuffling other things around and just causing more work for myself. And honestly, it's so pointless. So I do feel like I've gotten better at not doing that because you can waste so much money at HomeSense on just like little random knickknacky things. And when Target was here, it was even worse. We lived so close to it and I would just go and spend like $50 to $80 every single time. And you just don't realize how quickly it all adds up. So before you tap your card, ask yourself the following. Is it something I really need? Do I already have something similar? Do I want this more than I want to become a millionaire? Every dollar you spend on something you don't need is one less dollar you can invest. Here's a reality check. If you invest an extra $25 a week for the same 40 years, 
holy shit, you would end up with an additional $277,000. Can you cut $25 of unnecessary spending out of your weekly budget? Maybe, maybe not. But if you can, it will go a long ways in helping you reach your financial goals. Number three, save 15% of your income or more. 20% is ideal if you put that towards savings, which includes retirement and money you need for a rainy day or a Haley day in our situation. Exactly how much should you save? There's no correct answer. But most financial planners say that depending on your age, you should save at least 15% of your annual gross income if you're aiming for a nest egg for retirement. This figure may sound unattainable for many, but in reality, it's not. Suppose your employer matches contributions of up to 6% of your salary, then you only need to save 9%. Number four, make more money. Granted, this is easier said than done. If you don't make enough to stash 15% of your income, it will be difficult to become a millionaire. But you do have a few options. Ask for a pay increase if you think you're due for one. Work extra hours, get a second job, and get additional training that will increase your earnings potential. Number five, don't give in to lifestyle inflation. Lifestyle inflation, I don't know if I know what that means. Um, lifestyle inflation happens when you spend more money just because you have more to spend. Ooh, say if you live in a comfortable apartment in a great location for $1,000 a month, you get a raise at work and move to a better apartment that costs $1,500 a month. Do you really need to move? If you want to become a millionaire, resist the urge to give in to lifestyle inflation Instead of spending more just because you can, save and invest more. You will reach your financial goals so much faster. Number six, get help if you need it. Planning for retirement can be very stressful, partly because of all the investment options available, not to mention all the unknowns that await you. Here's the key takeaways. If you want to become a millionaire, the most important thing you can do is start early so you can take advantage of compounding. Keep your spending in check. You'll have more money to save and invest, and you'll reach your goal faster. Max out your retirement account. What? Max out your retirement accounts whenever possible, especially if your employer matches your contribution. Okay, so do your best to not get into a lot of debt and try not to get used to living in debt because you kind of start to get comfortable with it and... It's a really hard place to like turn around and get out of. And my point about whether or not I can afford to replace something if it gets damaged or lost or wrecked when it comes to a vehicle or a house, if it's a bigger house, you need more siding. If it's a bigger vehicle, you need bigger tires. Those are more expensive. Maybe the oil changes are also more expensive. Maybe you buy a Mercedes thinking they're so slay, and then you're also paying for premium gas. So if you're feeling splurgy and spendy, please take all of these things into account so that you can avoid as much debt as possible and become financially stable sooner because 
that really is something that I wished I'd focused on more in my earlier years of marriage that we dealt with for probably a little bit too long in our later years of marriage. And uh, this weekend at volleyball, while I was sitting there with my Stanley underneath my legs, and I was front row, like I was real close, so I could get some really good vlogging footage. The ball was coming towards me, so obviously I just turtled and kind of turned my body, picked up my feet, and tried to get out of the way. And the kid coming to get the ball kicked my Stanley over, so it banged into the bleachers and then the floor. And at first I was like, oh my gosh. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just a Stanley. So when I purchase things now, I like to think, could I afford to replace this? And if the answer is yes, then I can buy it. And it also has to go through the checklist of if I need it and do I have somewhere to put it. If it's a Stanley, yes. Hopefully they still have it in my favorite color if I have to replace it. But if not, I can live without a chartreuse Stanley. Or maybe I should just stock up on a couple while they're in season. Time's up, our show is through. We've got other things to do. There's work and kids and relationships and money and sex and You guys, I don't know who needs to hear this, but just because something's on sale doesn't mean you need to buy it, right? Remember that. Because you know back in the day, if Al finds a bargain bin or like a buy one, get one, you know, like a nice BOGO, even if I don't need two, I'm going for two. And I probably, in the first place, don't even need one of those items. So... Just let it stay there. Leave it at the store. You don't need it. Love you. Have a good day. Slay.